0: Matt Schaff and Jared Smola of DraftSharks.com here to preview the top storylines of week nine in fantasy football. Jared, we've got QB questions, including a guy that you and I don't totally agree on this week. We got lots of backfields to sort out. We got plenty of questions with the Raiders alone. And of course, we're going to be looking ahead to next week to stream some defenses, want to get ahead of other people on waivers. But Jared, I think we should start with Tonight, because it's Thursday as we're talking, it should be Thursday as most people are listening. We've got Will Levis going against the Steelers on Thursday Night Football. Get excited. 234 yards, four touchdown passes on just 29 pass attempts in his first NFL start. We all know that the touchdowns are fluky. Nobody needs to say, don't expect Will Levis to throw four touchdowns every time. So Jared, what is the takeaway here? Was, it, was the whole game a fluke or is there some positive to draw?
1: If nothing else, I'm a little excited to watch this game tonight because of Will Levis, right? Like at least with so many bad quarterbacks around the NFL right now, at least, you know, Will Levis is exciting because, I mean, his, his arm is ridiculous. I think if you watched any of his college tape, you knew that. And if you watched it, you know, it obviously translated to the NFL field. Total boom or bust game for Levis last week. He had the four touchdowns. If you look at the success rate, which is, you know, goes on a play-by-play basis of, you know, whether this play was positive, or not, uh, Will Levis was at thirty-two percent last week, which would rank dead last on the <laughs> season. I'm kind of comparing him to Jordan Love at this point, where it's going to be boom bust. The fantasy production is probably going to be better, even though than than the real life play, because Levis is going to chuck a deep. He's going to hit some more big plays. I do think he's gonna run a little bit. He had three kneel downs to end last week's game. If you admit those, he had uh, four carries for 14 yards. So you know, not big rushing production, but he can, you know, add a little bit there. Longer term, I think you know there's some potential here, you know, probably still more of just a two-quarterback super flex guy. For this week, I'm worried. I mean, going on the road on a short week and, you know, making his second career start against a pretty good Steelers defense with a good pass rush. The Titans are implied for just 16.75 points. That's fourth lowest on the week. So I'm definitely not considering Levis as a quarterback one this week, you know, maybe in super flex leagues, you might have to go to him, but I, I just think it's a tough spot overall. Yeah, I
0: agree with all of that. And, you know, especially on the pass rush front, Pittsburgh is potentially troublesome tonight. They've got TJ Watt. They've got Alex Highsmith. They're getting Cameron Hayward back up front. Now we'll see exactly how much he plays, but the Steelers defense is better with Cameron Hayward than without. And this is the Steelers after Will Levis faced the Falcons. The Falcons are so bad up front that they thought trading for Contavious Street who you probably didn't hear of before I said his name just now, improved the front seven. So it's a very different opponent. And like you said, the game was all over the place. Now, it was definitely a positive debut, even if you account for the flukiness. He ranked ninth in PFF passing grade. He had the second highest single game PFF passing grade For a Titans quarterback this year, there was a higher game from Ryan Tannehill earlier this season, back in week two, I believe. And there were several other Ryan Tannehill games that were close to what Will Levis gave us last week. You know, that's just one measure. We'll see. If he plays again like he did against Atlanta, is there room for him to keep the job even when Tannehill's healthy? Of course. Is there room for Tennessee to even be more patient with Tannehill's ankle, even if he could play? Yeah, I think that allows for that, especially the further we get into the season, the more the Titans should be looking toward next year because this team is not going anywhere. Will he stay in the lineup? I don't know. I mean, like I said, Ryan Tannehill has also been pretty close to what we got overall from Will Levis in that game. So it might be that that Tennessee goes back to the veteran as soon as he's ready. I would also lean away from Levis tonight. I do, however, think that there's probably more impact, relatively speaking, on DeAndre Hopkins. A week ago, we had him outside of the top 40. I was like, I don't know what to expect from him. It'd be nice to not use this guy. That really hasn't given us much fantasy production. I'd be much more bullish on DeAndre Hopkins this week. We do have him ranked higher on the site, but Jared, you still want to be reasonable with the projection on him, even though Hopkins had the big numbers, just 21% target share. So it's not like Will Levis came in and was throwing it to DeAndre Hopkins at all costs.
1: Yeah, and he's seemingly been on the injury report all season. He's on it again this week with a toe. He's actually questionable for this game tonight after not practicing on Wednesday. Uh, Tom, Tom Palacero did say that Hopkins is expected to play tonight. H- Hopkins for me is, I, I, I'd look into selling him this week because he's coming off the big game. He also had 140 yards three games ago for him. So he's had you know two big games among his last three now. Um, so maybe you can get something for him. I still don't like the overall situation. I will say Hopkins' average depth of target is way up this season it's actually a career high 14.2 yards so Tennessee using him like that and now getting Will Levis who obviously wants to chuck it deep can chuck it deep like I think Levis is a better fit for Hopkins as we saw in that game game last week so I actually do like Hopkins more than I did with Tannehill there's a chance he's overvalued in your league right now and you might you might be able to you know get get a nice return for him in a trade And you know that Hopkins in that role definitely adds upside,
0: but it also adds risk of that game where he gets seven targets and catches two of them for, you know, 43 yards and doesn't do you a whole lot. The Panthers came off their bye last week to get their first win of the season. And if you're wondering what Bryce Young was doing while he was on bye, he apparently was spending his time rizzing up Jared Smola, as my kids would say. (laughs) Jared's heading into. I don't know what that means. He, I'll explain it to you. He's headed Jared's <laughs> heading into week nine like Pepe Lepew chasing a black cat with white paint on her back. He's he's hot for Bryce Young right now. I'm going to tell you guys because this is behind the curtains stuff. Jared, first of all, risking up means that you are flirting with somebody trying to use your charisma to win them over. So that's exactly what Bryce Young clearly did with you last week, unbeknownst to me until we started discussing rankings <laughs> for week nine. Please tell everybody here why you have fallen head over heels for Bryce Young,
1: besides the hair. Okay, yeah, the the hair's nice. Um, That's part of it. Let's start with Young himself, because that's obviously a big part of this fantasy equation. So he did, he came off the bye last week, completed 71% of his passes in that game against Houston. Season highs in yards per attempt, 7.6, adjusted yards per attempt, quarterback rating, PFF passing grade. Um, I think the other noteworthy thing is the Panthers came off the bye last week. It was also their first game uh, with Thomas Brown, their offensive coordinator calling plays. And we saw that the Panthers go pass heavier in that first game under Thomas Brown, they were plus 6% pass rate over expected. So they passed, you know, 6% more than we'd expect them to based on, you know, the the flow of that game and the situations they found them in the Panthers were negative 2% pass rate over expected in, in their first five games. So I like that. I like that, you know, Young had, by most accounts, his best game of the season coming off the bye week, Remember, this is a rookie first overall pick. I think we should expect him to get better throughout his rookie season. And the matchup is the other part of this. Colts games have been super fun this season. Colts games are averaging 53.8 total points per game. That's second most in the NFL behind only the Dolphins. It's a fast-paced offense that can score. The defense is not very good. So there's been fantasy points on both sides of Colts games. The Colts rank Dead last in plays against, dead last in points allowed, and they're 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So it's just a really good matchup for Bryce Young, who I do think is ascending. Listen, I'm not saying to start young over any like, you know, regular quarterback one that you have. I even think Derek Carr is a better spot starter this week. But after Derek Carr, to me, Bryce Young is the best quarterback streamer this week. Uh, Jared's lying. He
0: was putting a Joe Burrow mask on Bryce Young in the rankings this week. I love the matchup. I hope that last week was the start of a big pickup in the second half for Bryce Young. I'm certainly open to the possibility of that. And frankly, with all of the best ball shares that I have of Bryce Young, I hope that it's the start of a real breakout. I do also pump the brakes a little bit, even with the matchup this week. I, I think that he certainly could get into the top 12 this week. I pump the brakes a little bit on expecting him to be in that range because overall for the season we're still talking about the guy who is 30th among quarterbacks in EPA per dropback, 26th among multi-game starters in fantasy points per game. Bryce Young has not hit 250 passing yards in a game yet. He has one game with more than one total TD. So, you know, I hope that he has a good game this week. That he continues having good games the rest of the way. But I would rather be hesitant with him this week because. I'm not worried that if I miss on him, if I'm wrong on him versus some individual quarterback, I'm not worried that it I'm missing a huge ceiling week for him.
1: Yeah, we, we definitely still need to project improvement from what we've seen from Bryce Young. I, I just feel comfortable doing that based on his you know prospect profile and the fact that he is coming off a strong game. I should say too, I would also start Sam Howell and CJ Stroud over Bryce on this week. And you know, I think they're like. Fringy spot starters of this week. I mean, to me, Stroud you know, should be owned in every fantasy league at this point, and probably Howell, too. Um, so, Carr, Howell, and Stroud, I would play over Young this week, but behind those guys, it'd be Bryce for me
0: a couple of players that we disagreed on was Gardner Minshew and Baker Mayfield. Both of those guys, I would start over Bryce Young, but Jared, you would start Bryce Young over those two, right?
1: I would. Yeah. Um, You know, it's a good spot for Minshew too. And I think this will lead into our next discussion here though. I just, I think the Colts go super run heavy against the Panthers, which most teams have been doing this season. So with Minshew, I think the Colts are going to score points. You're just kind of hoping that the touchdowns, you know, come through Minshew. If they don't, I think he might disappoint this week.
0: Yeah, certainly room to disappoint. And I think in that range of the rankings, you're not taking sure things you're just you know picking where you want to place your bet you can check the week nine rankings to see where bryce young settled out versus the other quarterbacks see who won the battle between me and jared to put bryce young in a specific spot you're also going to want to check your free agent finder though if you're looking for a week nine streamer at the position or even a rest of season option what's the difference between the week nine rankings and the free agent finder page The free agent finder syncs with your league. It knows your scoring. It can see who's available to you in your league. It can compare those available players with who is currently on your roster for this week or the rest of the season. So really, it's just the best way to tell who the best option is for you. If you're about to you know, contact one of us and ask us that question. My answer is going to be, you're going to get your best answer in the free agent finder. So go check that. I will probably even give you a worse answer, especially depending on (laughs) how hungry I am, whether my kids need me to bring them something at school, whatever. So go with the electronics over the human brain. Jared, you talked about the Colts side of that Panthers Colts matchup this week. And I think the most exciting potential thing is Jonathan Taylor. Now last week could either give you hope for Jonathan Taylor or make you worry about him, depending on how you decide to look at it. What happened with Jonathan Taylor last week? He had 11 carries for 94 yards by halftime of that game, then just two touches in the second half. So obviously we all look at that and we're like, what happened? Shane Steichen basically said, I don't know, a couple things, but nothing big. He said, Zach Moss (laughs) was just a hot hand in the second half. Like he had one long run. And then they were like, well, we'll go with the hot hand for now. And then toward the end of the game, he said, quote, passing situations toward the end. So it was just like, we got to throw the ball. Doesn't matter if we get Jonathan Taylor in there. He said nothing about it being a plan not to use him. There's no injury concern. So I think we got to just throw it out and say, hey, Jonathan Taylor's got a great
1: matchup this week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even if we expect, you know, Moss to remain heavily involved, which honestly you know, might be the case, I think this matchup is, you know, good enough where it's not going to matter. You're still going to start JT. I, I will say for, you know, last week, Jonathan St- Taylor still pretty easily out snapped Zach Moss in the second half of that game. It was just, you know, he just didn't get the ball and he was on the field. And for the game last week, Taylor set new season highs with a 61% snap rate, a 59% route rate, and 50% of the Colts carries. So he continues to trend up in playing time, which is nice to see. And then this, this matchup against Carolina, Carolina is dead last in run defense DVOA They're 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They're giving up 5.1 yards per carry to running backs. The Colts have leaned run pretty heavily since Minshew took back over for Anthony Richardson. I I see no reason for them not to lean in that direction again in this matchup. Yeah. Don't
0: be surprised if Jonathan Taylor pops up in our Friday DFS shows, you should subscribe to the YouTube channel. You will get notified when new videos drop or subscribe, following your favorite pod delivery service. You get the same thing. Now we come at you every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, Jared, Isaiah Pacheco is another guy who didn't deliver for us last week. And I shouldn't say didn't deliver for Jonathan Taylor. He had a fine game with what he got, but Isaiah Pacheco got eight carries 11 touches 37 total yards in the loss at Denver that followed a game where he only managed 32 rushing yards on 13 carries against the Chargers. Uh, should we be worried about Isaiah Pacheco right now? Should we be considering selling him?
1: No, I don't think so. I think the reason to consider selling him is if you think that Clyde Edwards or or Jarek McKinnon is going to you know, take over and, and really start cutting into Pacheco's workload because Pacheco is still dominating work in this Chiefs backfield. If you look at Last five games now, and that's really when Pacheco took over. He has 79% of the Chiefs running back carries. He has a nine and a half percent target share. He's 16th among running backs in expected PPR points per game over that span. I think I think that's you know kind of where you consider Pacheco a higher end running back, too. He had been a top 16 scorer among running backs in PPR points in five straight games prior to last week. You know, last week was just the Chiefs laid an egg, right? It's a road. Divisional rematch, we see favor teams struggle in that situation plenty. You had Mahomes dealing with the illness, so I think it was just a down game for the Chiefs in general. I still view Pacheco as like a high-end RB2 going forward.
0: I agree. I think, if anything, Pacheco's a buy right now because I don't think people are actually valuing him like the kind of workhorse that he is. The Chiefs have the potential to frustrate us at times with their running back use. There might just be weeks where they're like, we're just going to throw it this week and we're not going to give Pacheco the ball a whole lot, especially near the goal line. That might happen. I mean, get ready for it. But overall, I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes running back, a guy leading that backfield pretty clearly. On to the Seattle backfield, where we also had something potentially worrisome. Zach Charbonnet actually played more snaps than Ken Walker In week eight, finished just two touches behind Walker for the game. Jared, what do we do with this info going
1: forward? I'm not sure, honestly. I mean, we're going to see how it plays out in week nine here. Get another data point. Um, I mean, a couple things to keep in mind from last week. You did have Ken Walker dealing with a calf injury. He didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday last week. He was, I think he was a full go on Friday and then was not on the final injury report. So, you know, it's tough to say exactly how much the calf played apart. Seattle also went extremely pass heavy. In that game against the Browns, they threw on 71% of their snaps, and throughout the season, we've seen, you know, I don't know if I want to say the C- Seahawks preferring Charbonnet in passing situations, but they they definitely been using him quite a bit in passing situations. So just with that game plan, you know, it might have just made sense to play Charbonnet more. I also want to note too that back in Week Three, we saw Charbonnet play just six fewer snaps than Walker in that game. The following two games, Walker outsnapped Charbonnet 95 to 30. So we've seen like, you know, there'd be this one game blip earlier this season that Charbonnet played a bigger role. Then they went right back to Walker. So, I mean, I'm definitely still starting Ken Walker this week. You know, it is a tough matchup against Baltimore. He's a bit lower in our running back rankings than he has been. But I mean, Charbonnet to me remains, you know, one of the best running back stashes in fantasy football right now, because there's a chance he starts to take on a bigger role. And, and, you know, worst case, he is an elite handcuff behind Walker. And there's enough upside to that backfield that maybe in a pinch,
0: we can also use the second running back in our fantasy lineups. I think the two probably most valuable takeaways here are remembering that there was the calf injury for Ken Walker. And really in general, we should probably do a little bit more of like, building in potential downside for a guy that missed some practice time even if we get to Friday and it's like oh now he's practicing and he's off the injury report there's still at least a chance that that guy sees a little bit less work in the game even if the team never blames it on that factor the other takeaway for me is Pete Carroll loves Zach Charbonnet you can hear it in the way he talks about him that's gonna factor in there are gonna be games where Zach Charbonnet gets more work and there's probably gonna be games where Maybe there's not a plan, but he gets into the game, he does something good, and they're like, Ooh, let's give a little bit more to Zach Charbonnet. So it's probably going to be a bit of a fluid situation yeah. with, how, with how they split the work between them.
1: For sure. I mean, you know, they did spend a you know, r- relatively early second round pick on Charbonnet. I, I, I did see that it was twice pete carroll in press conferences earlier this week was kind of gushing about charbonnet i've kind of stopped trying to read into pete carroll translate pete carroll and just sort of you know go with what we end up seeing on the field um but yeah i mean ba- based on the comments and the draft capital it's clear seattle like charbonnet it would not be surprising if he you know plays a bigger role the rest of the way than he has so far
0: there's not too much to uh, translate pete carroll's excited
1: that's that's what he is in
0: press conferences he's not Completely in charge of the offense, so we'll see where it goes. (laughs) He did say that he'd like to run the ball more, but he also didn't say we need to run the ball more. He was talking about getting into situations where running the ball more makes sense. So, like, maybe we get leads, and then we pound the ball a little bit more. So, if anybody... Read that, heard that, and are like, "Uh oh, Seattle's going to start running the ball more." I wouldn't worry too much about that one. I think they've got all those high value pieces yeah. on the passing offense as well. I really think it's just like a a good offense going forward with a pretty good schedule yeah. the rest of the
1: way. I mean, Seattle's ninth in pass rate, over expected, so it's been a pass leaning offense. I mean, maybe maybe they shift a little bit back, but I, I don't I don't expect a big shift. Carolina's backfield had a big
0: shift coming out of the bye. Chuba Hubbard dominated Week Eight work, nearly quadrupled the snap count. For miles Sanders, 17 opportunities to two Jared. What are we doing here? Just a flip.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got, you got to um, project that at least in the short term here. I mean, Miles Sanders barely out snapped Raheem Blackshear and Raheem Blackshear ended up with more opportunities than Sanders did in this game. So, I mean, Sanders to me is just buried at this point. Frank Wright kind of like subtly called him out for running a wrong route after the game was talking about how, you know, Thielen, it was like, you know, Thielen made this awesome catch despite Miles Sanders, you know, being not where he was supposed to be. So Sanders is in trouble at this point. The one thing you can sort of hang on to if you're hoping Sanders reemerges this season is that Juba Hubbard wasn't good. He was not effective against Houston, took 15 carries for 28 yards. He was 22nd among 30 qualifying running backs in PFF rushing grade last week. So, like, I think Hubbard's going to get a few more chances in this role. If he continues to be ineffective, maybe they go back to Sanders. But, um, you know, Sanders to the bench at this point, obviously, in fantasy. And I, th- I think Hubbard is someone you, you know, start as a, you know, decent RB two just just based on this usage.
0: Yeah, I would say Miles Sanders is even droppable in 10 team leagues, you know, where it makes sense, not saying go dump him now for whatever's available. But if you're like, man, I don't have anybody I really want to drop to pick up this player that I need. Miles Sanders can fit that spot. I would also say that anytime you have an opportunity to trade either of these guys in a package to get something else, go ahead and take it because the other guy here is Chuba Hubbard. I know he's fared well in uh, advanced metrics this year versus his previous two seasons, but he's still just a limited player, and it's a limited upside yeah, off.
1: Exactly. It's just been an ineffective running game. That's the thing with Sanders too. It's like, if you're hanging on to him, even if he does take over the lead role, like we saw him in that role over the first month of the season, and it didn't mean a whole lot for, for fantasy. The Cleveland backfield can mean a whole lot for fantasy, but we got to sort it out now, Jared,
0: because Kareem Hunt led the way last week. He, Jerome Ford and Pierre Strong all played between 24 and 27 snaps. They all ran either 10 or 11 routes. What's your takeaway from that usage in week eight?
1: Yeah, I view this game as a positive for Jerome Ford because I mean, we didn't even think the guy was going to play, right? He suffered what was reported as a low grade, high ankle sprain, whatever that means. Um, ended up putting in a limited practice on Friday only practice of the week. then playing in this game. Ford had just two carries through the first three quarters. Then, you know, the Browns find themselves in this tight game in the fourth and they gave Jerome Ford seven carries in the fourth quarter. Like, you know, kind of like, you know, the the money touches when when the game was on the line. So we'll see about the ankle thing. Uh, Ford was limited in Wednesday's practice. I, again, I take that as kind of good news that he did anything on a Wednesday. Um, So we'll see. Like, I'd love to see him get in a full practice on, you know, Thursday or Friday. But I, I still think when he's healthy, Ford is the guy you want in this backfield. I still think Kareem Hunt is the number two. And I I think Pierre Strong got on the field last week because Jerome Ford was not at 100%. I still think Pierre Strong's the the third guy here.
0: I agree. For me, it's all positive that Ford was basically even with Kareem Hunt and usage last week because he was coming off a low-grade high ankle sprain. Uh, (laughs) We all expected him to miss at least one game. So he played. And to me, the usage says, well, if we've got Jerome Ford, we want to use him. You know, it it might be a little bit variable going forward. I can't say that he's definitely going to take back over ahead of Kareem Hunt because we already saw Kareem Hunt creeping in. And I'm sure that they'll still split work to some degree throughout the season. But we've got an awesome matchup with Arizona this week. I would be trying to use Jerome Ford in this one. I think he's got upside well beyond even where we rank him this week. And then he's got he and they have an excellent running back schedule the rest of the season. So I would be happy to have Jerome Ford Uh, and I would be fine with having Kareem Hunt around.
1: Yeah, I think this week because of that matchup that um Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt are gonna be starting for most fantasy teams. Again, Strong's the one I'd be careful with. Like I think there's a decent chance that he goes back to just you know, just getting a handful of touches in this game. So, you know, Strong would be like an emergency option only for me. Yeah, I would not be using him, but he's certainly stashable, especially with the
0: ankle for Jerome Ford. Maybe he goes out this week and yeah. tweaks it, and we've got a whole new situation beyond that. You will find actually Jerome Ford in our latest trade targets article that hits draft sharks.com every Wednesday afternoon, highlights players to buy players to sell even a player or two that you should probably hold for at least another week. And the whole thing is led by Alex Corf's high value graphic, which compares our valuations on players with their market valuations kind of helps you see who you can go after, what you can do deal-wise. Jared, I actually just got a question on the Draft Sharks Discord this morning. Somebody looking to sell Devontae Adams in a half PPR league. He says, what would be fair in a wide receiver and running back combo to seek in return for this? I just answered with a link to the article. I'm like, this chart is going to answer you a lot better than I will because it's got everybody listed. It shows you their value. And frankly, if you play in a format other than half PPR, which is what the chart uses, we have trade value charts for all those formats as well. They're all linked from the trade targets article. So go find the trade value charts. Find yourself a trade. Use the trade navigator to find a trading partner. Jared, I also had a longtime customer tell me this week he didn't even realize that we had trade value charts now. So... If there's yeah. a useful tool that you're like, man, I wish this was available. Check around Jaxtricks.com; it's probably there. I
1: was gonna say the trade value charts, the trade finder tool does literally what that you know one one uh, user was asking about, you know, trying to find a, a trade partner to to give away, find or something. They- like you said earlier, these, these tools at this point are a lot smarter than we are. So you're better (laughs) off using the tools than you are now emailing us or messaging us on discord. (laughs) Yeah. If
0: you ask me, who's the wide receiver and running back combo, I'm like, uh, I'm looking around for context clues from my house. And I'm probably going to give you (laughs) a bad answer, but the charts waiting. The Raiders passing game. Speaking of bad answers, Jimmy Garoppolo out Aiden O'Connell in Jared. Is everything fixed now in uh, Las Vegas?
1: Oh, I mean, I'm going to do something I've never done before and be like the Jimmy Garoppolo apologist here. Um, <laughs> you no, know, he he wasn't that bad prior to last week. If you look at if you take take out last week, which I know you know is not totally fair, he did lay a total egg last week. But prior to last week, 68% completion rate, 7.3 yards per attempt. He did have seven touchdowns versus eight interceptions. The turnovers have been the problem for. Garoppolo this season. You look at PFF passing grade prior to last week, Garoppolo was 18th among 35 qualifiers. So he was, you know, an average starting quarterback. Aiden O'Connell, he's made one start this season. It came against a bad Chargers defense, 6.1 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns, one interception, took seven sacks, was 29th in PFF passing grade that week. I get he's a rookie. He, you know, hopefully is going to get better. But to me, this quarterback move, at least in the short term, is a downgrade for the, the Raiders pass catchers. Yeah. Don't let recency bias
0: make you think that they upgraded by going from Jimmy Garoppolo, who's probably hurting to at least some degree to a fourth round rookie. This is not a positive. It's a team reaching for answers. A team that fired its coaching staff, uh, promoted a linebackers coach to lead the whole thing. I'm trying to sell Devonte Adams and honestly, probably any other Raiders pieces this week for not simply whatever I can get, but a lot closer to that than it would have been just a week before.
1: Yeah. Adam's at least had the big target share in that, uh, gaming the chargers, Had about 13 targets caught eight for 75 yards. I think Jacoby Myers only had four targets in that game. Josh Jacobs had 11 targets for Maiden O'Connell. Now, again, it's one game. I don't know how much to, you know, how much we should weigh. It doesn't mean it's going to happen going forward, but you know, Jacobs potentially benefits here. If, um, you know, O'Connell is going to be doing a lot of checking down. Yeah. I think we
0: should assume that a rookie quarterback is going to be dumping off plenty and checking down the Houston passing game has been much better than the Las Vegas one most of the time, but it hasn't been the past two times we saw it, Jared. So I think people are worried now, especially after coming off the bye watching C.J. Stroud and the passing game struggle against a Carolina defense that really they shouldn't struggle against. It's been a negative Mm -hmm. scoring matchup for passing offenses, but you know, we've talked about it on here before, not because it's a scary defense. It just kind of worked out that way, especially because you can run against them plenty. For me, the answer, like should I worry about CJ Stroud or what's up with the Houston offense? My answer honestly is I don't know. And you know, what we have to do is give answers and have takes on this stuff, but sometimes you can get yourself into trouble by assuming too much. We're really working on not a lot of data still with CJ Stroud, with his young wide receivers, with a Houston coaching staff. That's new this year. And we're really also coming off just one bad game. The game before that Stroud wasn't awesome, but he was also playing new Orleans, which is a tougher defense. So he finished QB 12 that week. I'm not worried. I still think he's in the starter mix. He's certainly not somebody I know I can start every week.
1: Yeah. I and mean, like you said, quarterback 12, two starts ago, his four prior finishes to that were quarterback seven, quarterback 11, quarterback 10 and quarterback 17. So like he, he'd he been getting it done for us prior to last week. I think it was Jonathan Bales, who I know used to work at Fantasy Labs. I don't know. I don't know what he's up to now, but he did a study looking at teams coming off bye weeks and he found there's just there's just more volatility teams will have awesome games coming off bys. teams will struggle coming off by there's really no way to predict it there's just a wider range of outcomes for teams coming off by so Houston obviously had a dud coming off the bye week I think there's a good chance they bounce back this matchup against Tampa Bay this week is kind of neutral Tampa's middle of the pack and past defense DVOA and adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks the Texans are at home they have a decent implied total like I'd feel okay going back to CJ Stroud if he struggles again you know then we can kind of you know reevaluate heading into week 10
0: yeah fairly neutral spots both this week against Tampa Bay and and next week against Cincinnati. I agree that we kind of have him on that starter fringe this week and hope that he does at least fine. And then we use him in what could be shootout conditions against Cincinnati next week. If he does struggle against Tampa Bay, it's going to be tougher to throw him out there against a Cincinnati team that has the capability now of jumping ahead and making it a tough game where they're just coming after him all the time in the backfield. So we'll see. I hope that we get a good CJ Stroud over the next two weeks ahead of a week 11 meeting with Arizona.
1: I'd love to see Houston pass more too. They are 26th in pass rate over expected right now. It's a, it's a bad running game and Stroud's been good for most of the season. You have a couple good young wide receivers like, you know, lean into this thing, let Stroud throw up more. Hopefully we you know kind of see that um, going forward the rest of the season. So yeah. we'll close
0: this out with week 10 streaming defense, Jared. We want to get ahead of people on waivers. Who do you like to stream in week 10?
1: So your best option is Seattle, I think, who should be available in a lot of leagues here um, with this uh, you know Baltimore matchup this week they're not a good play this week but Seattle is home for Washington next week we'll we'll see about uh Sam Howell who you know surprisingly took just one sack in that Eagles game last week after taking uh four plus in every single game prior to that but I still think Washington's going to be a good matchup for opposing ds and i'm I'm high on Seattle's defense they've been playing better they just add Leonard Williams like I think it's going to be a, you know potential top 10 real life and fantasy defense the rest of the way
0: Yeah, it should be. It's a defense that looks like it's worth betting on right now. Another one that's worth betting on in general is Detroit. And you're not going to want to play them next week against the Chargers, but I would try to stash them now if you can. And Detroit is 39% rostered on Yahoo as of Thursday morning. That's down 26 percentage points versus yesterday. Of course, Detroit's on a buy this week. So that's why they're going to be dropped in a lot of places. And again, with the Chargers up next, probably not going to be a hot market for them. But after that, they go Chicago, Green Bay, New Orleans, Chicago, again, Denver, Minnesota. That's six straight weeks of startability for the defense. And for me, Jared, now is the time of the season where you start to evaluate whether it's really worth it to keep stashing that wide receiver or you know that backup running back in an offense that stinks or picking up a defense that you know you're going to use six
1: times in the final seven weeks. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a time of year to to stash two defenses when it makes sense. I think Detroit does. I'd probably gamble on the Lions and wait until next week to grab them. Just assume no one's going to grab them for that Chargers matchup. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth holding Detroit as your second defense for that for that schedule.
0: Yeah. And certainly if you need a week 10 defense, you know, maybe you lean toward one that's actually got a good matchup they're using right away. But if you've got one, that's fine this week, fine next week, stash the lions and you're going to be in good shape over the second half. Check out all of the tools and content we mentioned throughout the show on DraftSharks.com. subscribe here on YouTube on your favorite pod delivery service so you know when our waiver show arrives each Tuesday, this preview arrives every Thursday, and then our DFS shows on Friday. Let us know what you think with a like, a rating, a comment. We appreciate all the feedback, positive or negative. I'm not above growing where we need to. And we're, of course, going to keep doing our best to help you win your season.